This is Bill Messerly with St. Gabriel Catholic Radio, bringing you a special Frontline of Hope update with Bishop Robert J. Brennan, Bishop for the Diocese of Columbus, for Tuesday, the fifth week of Easter. Easter Tide is a period of 50 days spanning from Easter, April 12th this year, uh, and goes to Pentecost Sunday this year on May 31st. It's celebrated as a single joyful feast called the Great Lord's Day, and each Sunday of this Easter season is treated as another Sunday of Easter. Happy Easter, Your Excellency. Happy Easter. What a beautiful season it is, and the Church rejoices uh, in these these days. That's a great introduction. Well, Bishop Brennan, yesterday we had a discussion about uh, all the things that we're adjusting to in our personal lives, and of course that's also uh, impacting our parishes and our dioceses. And you gave a quick summary of what would be occurring in our parishes over the next several weeks. Could you give our listeners another update on that? Indeed. So as many know, churches are beginning to open this week. They're setting schedules when the church might be open for certain times, certain hours for prayer, for people to stop by um, and to offer a prayer. Many of those churches are opening the church only in a section so that we can stay on top of keeping it clean and sanitized. Some may be um, exposing the, the Blessed Sacrament, but there's no liturgical action going on right now. So, for example, benediction and those uh, prayers would be somewhat subdued. We're really just giving people the opportunity to um, to come and to pray that uh, that we're getting ourselves ready um, to to be reunited. And then, of course, on uh, May 31st, the weekend of May 30th and 31st, that great Feast of Pentecost to which you referred earlier, we begin our celebration of Sunday Masses, a public celebration of Sunday Masses again. We do that still with the caveat of um, the civic officials who warn us that we should be limiting our ventures outside and our ventures into contact with other people. We should be doing the social distancing as best as we can, and we should be um, really taking care, especially those who are in what they call the high-risk categories. Um, but we're going, it'll, it'll look different, but we'll be beginning that uh, public worship on Pentecost Sunday. And even before that, in those days before that, that week before the week of uh, May 25th, the week of Memorial Day, individual parishes may begin um, the celebration of daily Mass publicly, weekday Mass publicly, so that um, they can gear up, you might say, work with a smaller crowd, make sure everything is working the way they anticipated in terms of movement and then and see if there's anything more they need to consider for Sunday. So you'll see some weekday masses during that week of the 25th as well. And you also mentioned the need for charity and patience. I know that when um, I yes. kind of go interiorly for myself, I'm a little anxious about all this and excited to get back in, but we need to think of the other first, huh? We do, you know, and that's that was part of the conversation or several conversations I had with the priest. Um, we're all a little nervous about this because the virus is still with us and it's still a very serious threat. And um, the assembly uh, uh, of people, the congregant gathering of people is st still considered to be somewhat dangerous. 
And so we're doing everything we can to mitigate those dangers. But that's going to require a lot of patience and a lot of flexibility. And, you know, to begin with, some schedules may be changed just so that we can allow for disinfecting the church in between times or so that priests can help one another um, and um, – and, and there, there may be all kinds of reasons. Schedules may need to be changed, and things may change even at the last minute. Um, you know, I'll give you an example. Generally speaking, if a priest isn't feeling so well in the morning, you know, it might be the common cold. Um, you, you, say, you know, you muster up the strength and you do your best, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and you take the precautions. Well, you have to take those symptoms a little more seriously today, right? So... Things somebody may get sick, you know, maybe not seriously ill, but sick unexpectedly. But because we are in this mode of being very, very vigilant, things may change even on the day off. So, yes, this will take an awful lot of, of patience and flexibility. And that's all, as you say, rooted in charity, maybe even extreme charity. Will the priest uh, be advised to take their temperature on a day to day basis? Yes. I think so. Yes, you know, um, we're going to be advised to do. All people, all faithful, will be advised to to monitor their health. Put it that way, and that's a good example of one of the things we should be doing to monitor our health to take our temperature on a regular basis. Um, certainly, we as priests, the last thing we want to do is bring harm to somebody else, even inten- unintentionally. You know, so yes, we we will be doing what we can ourselves to monitor our own personal health. And um, in the guidelines, I'll be asking the same of all the faithful, that we should really try to be vigilant, try to be a little extra careful and, uh, and do things like uh, taking temperature. Well, Bishop Brennan, today's reading, John fourteen twenty seven through 31, Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Isn't that just a beautiful, a beautiful prayer? And of course... That's at the Last Supper, and then the first words Jesus speaks to them when he appears after the resurrection is, peace be with you. He keeps that promise, even on the other side of death and resurrection. He he bestows that gift of peace. But he also says, I give peace, not as the world gives peace, you know? Um, And peace isn't the absence necessarily, or the peace of Jesus isn't the absence of tension or of difficulty. Um, we We see in the first reading how Paul certainly did undergo many hardships for the kingdom of God, but the peace of Jesus is something deeper, something more abiding, something that gives us the courage and the strength to be able to deal with those hardships. Um, and that in the, is, is something that actually makes us stronger. The peace that Jesus gives us is not a shell that wraps around us, but rather it's his own presence within us so that we can withstand and we can see beyond the immediate sufferings. Um, and that's, isn't that an important message for us today, right? The, the peace of Jesus, um, the peace that he gives to us. And so, you know, our, as, as I said on Sunday, our hearts are troubled a little bit and um, we are f- afraid and worried. But we we have to be realistic. We have to we we know that there's suffering out there. But what we do also know is that we're not alone, 
and we find that strength of Jesus Christ to help us. That, and that strength of Jesus draws, you know, impels us, as St. Paul would say, into charity for one another, into our care for one another. Um, uh, that peace of Jesus gives us a certain confidence and hope and even joy. And, of course, one way to grow in peace is uh, to pray the rosary as a family or individually, and tomorrow is the feast of Our Lady of Fatima. Fatima, exactly. You know, um, I'm sad that we won't have our procession, but I'm glad, thanks to you at St. Gabriel Radio, that we'll be able to pray the rosary. I have uh, two priests, Father Stash Daly and Father... um, uh, Alcock, Father Stephen Alcock from St. Holy Family and St. Patrick respectively, because that was the route that the the procession would have taken. They will be here to help pray the rosary, but also two Dominican sisters from two, dif- two different provinces. So um, Sister Leonata will be joining us as well as Sister Maria Fatima. It's our feast day. And they too will help in the recitation of the rosary, which will take place right after Mass tomorrow. And that'll be live on St. Gabriel Catholic Radio. So please do join us by way of prayer tomorrow. That would be that would be great. Um, and it is the, the feast of Our Lady of Fatima draws us to the Rosary. That was one of the things that Mary asked when she appeared to those children that day. Um, <clears throat> um, as you know, the the apparitions at Fatima. Um, occurred just slightly over 100 years ago. And so in 2017, we celebrated the 100th anniversary. And I think that's when my own appreciation of Fatima really, really grew. I, I see, you know, I was conscious of the different apparitions of Mary. I think Lourdes was a little more uh, familiar to me, but the prayers of Fatima were were really very enriching. You know, Mary appeared to those children during a time of great suffering in the world, during World War One. And she came with that assurance that God never leaves his children alone. And so she called on those the, the children who were there to pray the rosary, to pray, to have that relationship with God, to be in constant prayer, but very particularly using that gift of the rosary. And so Mary, in a time of great tumult, says, gives us this story, you will, this uh, um, apparition of... Faith and trust in God. And that that's so appropriate for us today. It's a different kind of a suffering. Thank God it's not a world war, but we also were cognizant of so many people who are suffering under war and terror all the time. Um, and so in these, in these difficult times, we commend ourselves to God. We go back to remember those moments when God had done extraordinary things, such as these apparitions. Um, apparitions at, at, at Lourdes, at Fatima, Guadalupe, just to name a few, um, that that remind us in times of tumult that we're not alone, that remind us of the peace that Jesus gives. You know, one of the, uh, the children that saw the apparition of Mary in Fatima in, in 1917, uh, Lucia said, my impression is that Our Lady wanted to give ordinary people who might not know how to pray this simple method of getting closer to God. And that was the gift of the rosary. And being a simple guy, I can attest that it does help me as well to think about the life of Jesus. Sister Lucia was so right in her impression. 
And there isn't it beautiful that it was a gift that Mary gave to some children that the children in turn gave to the world. Mm-hmm. To, you know, that, that call to pray the rosary. You know, another facet of Mary's apparition, Mary's message in the apparition, was the call to repentance. Mm-hmm. To, um, you know, they had that vision of, of heaven and hell, and that wasn't meant to scare them, but to say, we do need repentance, we do need conversion in the world, and that there is a consequence to evil. But the real reason in showing them those visions is that it's possible to encounter God's mercy, that God is so merciful and God wants our conversion, God wants our hearts, God wants our repentance. And so the message of Fatima is a message of conver- of conversion. And that's so deeply tied to the prayers for peace. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Fatima is a prayer for peace in, in a war-drawn time. And Mary's saying it's possible for peace in the world through peace, through our prayers, rather, through, through our prayers and through conversion of ordinary human hearts. It's not, you know, when we talk about peace in the world, it's not going to happen through political alliances. That's the story of the Old Testament. It's through the conversion of the heart. Mm-hmm. It's through people of faith praying their hearts out. Mm. That is so beautiful. And uh, Mary's immaculate heart, that burning heart of desire for the love of God, is an example for all of us, uh, even now. Indeed, indeed. And so tomorrow we're going to have a chance to turn to the Immaculate Heart of Mary um, to pray, to pray sincerely, and uh, we'll, we'll have that moment to pray the rosary together as she asked us, and to pray for ourselves and for the world, asking the Lord to help us to recognize our need for repentance and to help us to see God's beautiful heart of mercy. So thank you for joining. Mm-hmm. Thank you for uh, offering this opportunity for us to be able to share this beautiful moment with the people of the diocese. Was that one of the first public events that you did last year? The procession with the rosary uh, through downtown Columbus. It well, would have been maybe a couple months so. in. Wouldn't have been. It was. It was about a little more than a month in, and I had certainly been through um, Holy Weekend, Easter, and I, in fact, I had taken part in the walking stations of the cross. On Good Friday, uh, but it was a pretty public event, and and it was very early on, and so I was still learning my way around, um, and so it, it was kind of exciting. I had a laugh last year because there were a couple of times that there were different races and events, and things got closed, and I'd be tempted to say, "Oh, you know, why is all this going on?" And then I realized that in the short time I was here, and by May I had already closed the streets twice. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, uh, so, so yes, we've we've had the chance publicly. Uh, and you know what? I think processions are important because when we do something like that, it's it's an outward manifestation of our prayer. So, and and of what we should be doing all the time, we should be witnessing to Christ. We should be witnessing to the power of prayer through Mary in everything we do, and so we do it in a very concrete way by processing through the streets. We're sh- we're showing our faith in the community, 
which is really what we're supposed to do by the very way we live our lives. So I, those, that, that's one way that those processions are very important. It takes some spiritual strength to process through a community, don't you think, and, and pray to our God and ask for his intercession? It certainly does. It's, it, it takes some, and then it, um, it takes some, but then it also requires some. Um, I'm sorry, not, I take that back. It takes some, it requires some, but it also grants great spiritual strength, too. Mm-hmm. You know, So you need to muster it up so that you get out there and do it. But while you're out there and with other people, you find yourself strengthened even more. You see, the, the Lord takes our gifts and our offerings and our sacrifices, transforms them, makes them better, and gives them back to us. Mm. What a beautiful gift our faith is. Um, you're listening to Bishop Brennan. He's discussing the... Feast Day of Our Lady of Fatima, tomorrow, Wednesday. So join him for Mass at 12.05. And then following Mass, Bishop Brennan, Father Stosh Daly, Father Stephen Alcott, and Sister Leonardo Zelinska, as well as Sister Maria Fatima, her feast day, will be joining each other at social distancing with the uh, rosary uh, from the cathedral. And so that'll go from about 12.40 to 1 o'clock tomorrow. Uh, Bishop Brennan, would you like to close us with a prayer? By all means. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Queen of heaven, rejoice, alleluia. The Son whom you merited to bear, alleluia, has risen as he said, alleluia. Pray for us to God, alleluia. Rejoice and be glad, O Virgin Mary, alleluia, for the Lord has truly risen. Alleluia, alleluia, alleluia. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Bishop Brennan, what a blessing you are to all of us. Thank you for your encouragement. Uh, Be sure to join us tomorrow for the Feast of Our Lady of Fatima. And now we rejoin our regularly scheduled programming already in progress.